morning and welcome to a rainy morning edition of Driving Theology. This is Mike on my way to work and uh, it's been an eventful week here in uh, rainy season Japan. We are deep in the middle of rainy season. Alluded to that a little bit last week. Well, today it actually feels like the rainy season. If I remember correctly, last week we were still having pretty great weather. And really, the weather's been really nice up till uh, today. This is the first day that really felt like rainy season, though we've been in it a couple weeks. Uh, yeah, so just on my way to... Uh, hold on, I'm going to adjust this. Sorry if there's some pops. I'm try to suit this in a way... better job at catching my voice. We'll see. Uh, yeah, so I lost my train of thought there. Anyway, yeah, so this will be another edition. There's been a lot going on this week um, here in Japan. Uh, last night I had a little concert where I got to sing for the uh, governor of the prefecture. This is my sec at least second time that I know of. Uh, singing for him, and this time he kind of asked, asked for me by name, which was kind of uh, an honor. And uh, got to go sing a few songs for him at a campaign event. Um, and uh, so this morning I've been I'm kind of, you know, it's kind of how it goes when I have a, a concert right after I'm kind of inspired to do more, and then slowly I get lazy and don't really do <laughs> do what I what I hoped I'd do. I'm kind of inspired right after, but it kind of really wears off after a while. Uh, and I had a really bad cold for the last couple of weeks, and of course that was a concern, but uh, it let loose just at the right time, so it really wasn't too much of a factor, except that maybe my voice wasn't quite in the shape it could have been. But because I only had a few songs to sing, it, it uh, wasn't bad at all, so uh, I'm grateful I was able to get through that good experience. So that was last night. Anytime I have a performance, it kind of, you know, wires me. I get wired afterwards and I can go to sleep till a little bit later last night. So I'm probably a little bit late last night. So I'm probably a little bit groggy today. But anyway, I got a message from my good friend, Dan. Uh, Dan is uh, a, he just, just finished his master's in Imaginative Apologetics from Houston Baptist Seminary, I believe is what it's called, or Houston Baptist College, I'm not sure what that's called exactly, but anyway, he's a very good friend of mine, and uh, I respect him a lot, and he, he has been looking uh, very deeply into the, the Catholic religion. He, he grew up Lutheran, uh, not, I would say nominal, nominally, nominally, a nominal Lutheran. Uh, and then was converted uh, to the Church of Christ, which is the church that I grew up in, the tradition I grew up in. Uh, and recently he's been really taking a, a good look at, uh, at Catholicism. And if, if, you, if you follow many, uh, many writers, or um, especially those in dealing with uh, more mystical subjects and things of that nature, 
uh, you probably know that there is a bit of a of an exodus from mainline Protestantism and evangelicalism into uh, Catholicism by uh, certain certain types of people, I would say, uh, and those people tend to be uh, evangelicals who are discovering that there is a a huge glaring deficit of of uh, mysticism uh, and uh, in in Protestantism or or evangelicalism even, and so they are discovering for the first time the uh, monastic fathers uh, in the in the Catholic tradition and things of this nature and and finding value there. They're finding value in uh, in the rituals uh, and the uh, perhaps the structure um, and the traditions of the Catholic Church. Uh, and you know, I grew up thinking that basically uh, Catholics were non-believers; they weren't even Christians, really. Uh, that they were they were pagans in in Christian garb, uh, and I would say I probably, you know, truth be told, I probably thought that until you know fairly recently. Um, but what I, what's what what God has been showing me about my own beliefs is that there is a lot of idolatry even in my own beliefs, uh, and in the traditions that I have come from. There, there are idols uh, everywhere. Idolatry, I'm starting to feel, is really part of the human condition. We tend to idolize uh, things because I, I think it feels like we, it gives us structure to our life. It gives us uh, something to count on. When, when we can idolize someone or something, we feel like we can always depend on them, that they will always be there. And of course, you know, we know that many times that knight in shining armor falls off that white horse for us time and time again, and yet we continue to to idolize this or that. And, and these idols are are either things or people just out of our reach who are uh, beyond us, bigger, better than us. But they keep us focused on going forward, we think, I suppose. I'm just... Uh, spitballing here um, but you know we all have our idols one of one of one of my idols has been since I was in high school Larry Bird the basketball player um, who was by all accounts one of the best basketball players to ever live but you know at the end of the day he bounced and threw a ball on a wooden floor uh, at a steel hoop suspended 10 feet above uh, the ground uh, and there really isn't anything there uh, of true substance and yet and yet I still love the game of basketball and I still uh, to some extent idolize Larry Bird I've I found myself going to old YouTube videos even even recently and watching his old plays and just being amazed 
uh, and what he could do with that leather ball, you know. Uh, and I'm sure I have have and have had other idols, you know, that, that I have followed. But one of the one of the idols that I, uh, as a Christian in the Protestant tradition, even though most, most Church of Christ uh, Christians would probably not claim that we are Protestant, many would claim that we are the original church. Uh, <clears throat> even so, there there are idols in my tradition that I've that I've clung to. Uh, and they are, our tradition itself has been an idol, right? The, the pride that goes with belonging to a tribe has been an idol. The Bible uh, has probably been the, the single largest idol uh, that, I, that I have uh, worshipped. Um, and I think every, everybody can point to certain uh, trends of idolatry in their various groups. You know, I, I, I idolized uh, different preachers and different musicians in our tradition as well. Uh, and, and so there's, you know, there's a, there's a lot of that that goes on and that has go, gone on and, and continues to go on, whether you are, you are a religious person or not. If you're an atheist, you, you probably idolize, uh, Richard Dawkins, uh, or, uh, um, Hitchens or, you know, some of these guys, um, they're probably, you know, you, you probably hold them up to... Uh, hold them up on a very high pedestal or place them on a very high pedestal. And so idolatry is just part of being human. We, we tend to appreciate and even fall in love with those who are able to excel at what we wish we could do, right? Um, I forgot where I was going with that, but one of the, you know, one of the main uh, criticisms of Catholicism, and I say criticism uh, <laughs> as a euphemism for what we really do to Catholics often, one of our main criticisms of Catholicism uh, is their idolatry, the, the, the veneration of the saints, um, the, the, what we call the worship of the saints and of Mary. Uh, but what was pointed out in a video that my friend sent to me this morning, which was an excellent video, I think the girl's name is Lizzie. Uh, she does uh, YouTube videos. She is a, I suppose, if she's not a student of theology, I would be shocked because she has an amazing grasp of theological concepts. and. And articulates articulates herself very well. But anyway, her video was uh, top ten, I suppose, accusations of Catholicism by. Oh no! What it was? She called it the ten lies that Protestants tell about Catholicism, or or you know, ten things that Protestants see one way that are not necessarily that way in Catholicism. And one of them, of course, was the idolatry uh, accusation. But she pointed out that that if 
there are Catholics who do idolize and worship saints, uh, including Mary, then that's a personal choice they've made. But it does not mean that the, the Catholic Church itself teaches that. Okay? Uh, and I suppose you could, you could look at, and like I said before, you could look at any of the traditions, any religious traditions, uh, where people tend to grasp onto different uh, people or concepts or, or objects uh, and, and place them on a pedestal. I think we all can be guilty of that, and, and uh, we would, we, we evangelicals would be quick to correct you if you said we, we worship the Bible. We would be quick to correct that. We'd say, no, we don't worship the Bible, but we do feel like it is the inerrant Word of God and should be held to the highest esteem, uh, and that it is perfect in every way, uh, and and that it that it came to us from the mouth of God, <laughs> and we we would we would we would idolize it in our defense, all the while defending ourselves from the accusation of idolization. So, uh, anyway, that, I, I've been there. I was there. Um, in fact, I, I still may be there in some ways. But uh, but I, you can hear the rain. Sorry about all the. There's going to be a lot of uh, background noise in this in this. Uh, Edition. Sorry about that. But anyway, it was an excellent video. It was an excellent video that really levels the playing field uh, in many ways between Protestantism and Catholicism. And, and Protestants have been guilty for years of the demonization of Catholics and, and the Catholic tradition. Um, now, obviously, my my friend Dan, who, who sent me this video, he, he is looking intently at the Catholic Church as a viable option uh, of a tradition that he might convert to. He's, he's thinking about it. He's looking at it. Uh, and he's starting to deconstruct his his previous, previous ideas of that tradition. Uh, and is trying to see it for what it truly is. Uh, and, and I respect that. I can respect that. That's a huge part of the Christian world. A huge part. The largest part is Catholic. So, yeah, I... Okay, I, I, I can respect that. And I, I will say that right now, by and large, I embrace... Catholics as my brothers and sisters in Christ. Oh, only saying that there may be some who could be excluded just as perhaps evangelicals could be uh, could be um, not included for certain beliefs that I would not be able to uh, reconcile with who I know Jesus to be. Nothing comes to mind right now, but just saying there's probably somebody out there that, you know, for example, if they ascribe some evil deeds uh, to Jesus or uh, to God, uh, I, I would seriously 
think where where they fall, um, whether they are teachers or false teachers or false prophets or whatever. But again, I, I have nobody in mind when I say that. I, I really don't. You know, it's not a thing I think about. So I'm just saying there's that possibility that I might have to exclude people. So, alright, so here's my thing. In my heart of hearts, I believe that God has done so many of the things that He has done because He wants us to know Him. And the culmination of that desire of His, to be, His desire to be known, is Jesus, who is the full expression of our Father, God. He's the full expression of God. And then he he corrects all of our misconceptions of who God is or who we thought God was. Jesus comes to set the record straight. If you want to know God, look no further than me. I am God incarnate. You can know God through knowing me set your minds at ease you know and so that that desire for God to be known I believe we all have we all have the desire to be known and to be understood um, because to understand someone is to I, I think uh, is to cut them some slack you know, to walk a mile in somebody's shoes is to see that, you know, the actions that you you may uh, interpret as bad or evil, uh, in the context of of their life, may not be so much. And so we may, you know, we may be able to to cut people slack to be more forgiving and understanding, and in doing so, uh, we we all come together. We all come together on a, on a more level playing field. We get to know each other better. We, our relationships improve. Now, God the Father uh, knows us intimately. He knows us well. Uh, he knows our hearts. In fact, He probably knows us better than we know ourselves. And so the lacking part of the relationship, this... Uh, mutual relationship that God is is seeking is is on our part we don't understand who he is we have misconceptions of misconceptions of who God is we don't we don't believe that he loves us as much as he loves us we don't believe that he is who we hope he is down deep we think that he maybe has a violent streak or an angry streak or at least a, a jealous streak right that he is uh, petty that we may even think that that even though he's God and he has the right to do whatever he wants, that perhaps he does evil. And if that's not who God is, then he would want to correct that because he wants to be known, just like every being in the, in the universe. We want to be known. 
Because as soon as we are known for who we are, we can have true relationship with another person, right? Uh, the better we know each other, the closer our bond is, right? the closer we become to each other. Um, so, this is just a side note thought popped into my mind. I've been trying to reconcile the book of Job uh, because I, I feel like it in so many ways disparages, disparages the, the character of God. Uh, but perhaps one of the messages in Job that is worth uh, worth knowing is, is you know when God basically says walk a mile in my shoes. You know, perhaps that's a way that we could read Job uh, and get valuable lessons from it. Not saying there aren't other valuable lessons in Job, uh, but, but wow, Job, Job's rough. Job's rough. Alright, anyway, <clears throat> so if God truly desires to be known, and if you're honest with yourself, uh, and you desire to be known and understood, then that is what we're after in this life. Right? That is what this life is all about. For us to be reconciled to God is to know who He truly is. And when we know who He truly is, because of what... Okay, let me be careful here. When we know who He truly is, then reconcile, re reconciliation has happened. We have been reconciled. That is reconciliation, discovering the true nature and character perhaps purposes of God and when you understand that then you have been reconciled to God hmm all right let me take that apart a bit you see I believe that Jesus came to show us who God is because we had it wrong because I believe mark me a heretic if, if you must I believe that we had it wrong in the Old Testament. I believe that many, many writers had it wrong in the Old Testament. I, was, I think that many things that were attributed to God, God did not do nor orchestrate. Um, and that you can find previous podcasts on where I've, I've come to know that, or how I've come to know who God is. His nature, his true, his true loving nature, and his his uh, submissive nature, which is controversial, no doubt. Um, so yeah, so what we have uh, is sorry, I lost my train of thought again. What we have is God wanting to know. Um, wanting us to know who he is, right? So Jesus comes to correct our image of God. Now in, in saying that God is exactly like Jesus, when, when he says in John, uh, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, right? And when Paul says the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in Jesus, 
that Jesus is the all in all, the fullness of God. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. That everything that God is, is who Jesus is, right? Not the opposite. Jesus does not need to fit our preconceived notions of God, but our preconceived notions of God need to fit Jesus. We need to, we need to change our preconceived notions of who God is and readjust them to reflect the character that we find Jesus portraying, the, the, the characteristics of Jesus as we find in the gospel, right? In the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, and certain parts of the Old Testament, but surely in the New Testament. And so when we adjust that, we find that, wow, Jesus uh, is truly God and he uh, is better than we ever thought. He's the God we always hoped God would be. And now here's the, here's the trick. He's always been that God. Okay, so when the Bible says God is the same... Uh, yesterday, today, and forever, that God does not change. If God is exactly like Jesus, and Jesus uh, is, is love, that God is love, God has always been love, he's always loved us, he's always forgiven us. God's forgiveness didn't suddenly show up because Jesus died on the cross and some, some pagan idea of, of blood sacrifice somehow magically restores mankind uh, to God. No. From God's standpoint, mankind has always been good. Okay? From God's standpoint. The problem mankind has had is that we did not understand who God is. We could not accept God's love because we didn't believe God was love. Okay? God has always loved us. He's always loved everyone. He's never hated anyone. God has always been loved. The problem has not been God. The problem is we have listened and believed lies about who God is. And so when Jesus comes to earth in the body of a man and dies on the cross, what he's doing is putting an exclamation mark on the character of God. He is saying that God is love. And this is how you know it, that he has laid down his life for you. Think about that. Is it possible that God has never counted your sins against you, but we have been very busy counting our own sins against us? And that from Adam until today and into the future, that that's always been the case, that God has always been love, that God has never hated us or been angry with us or, or wanted to destroy us for our sins. Is it possible that, that the wages of sin is death, just like the New Testament says, and that and that the natural, the natural world that we submitted ourselves to and we decided to listen to the deceiver instead of to God, 
that we chained ourselves to a system to where sin has natural consequences and that God all along has been trying to save us from that He's been trying to show us who he is but that God's nature as a loving and caring and forgiving and gentle being has kept him from forcing us to know who he is right it's kept us from kept it's kept him from making us uh, automatons robots so if god is love and god has always been love that's good news wow the good news is we need only change our perception of him There are certain ways that the Christians uh, do that, that we have found over the years to be helpful. Uh, things like baptism and, and catechism and, and things like, uh, you know, Catholicism and Protestantism and, and uh, all kinds of religions that we've, those are ways that we've tried to used to, to repair our side of the relationship with God, but it's not the relationship itself. Is it? Is religion the relationship? Or is religion a way, a tool, that can be used for us to rediscover the true nature of that relationship? Now I fall obviously on, the, uh, on that side. I, I believe that religion is helpful to many people in finding their relationship. The problem is religion has seen itself as a destination instead of a mode of transportation. I believe that religion is, a, is, is, is one way that we get to that relationship, but we should be careful not to make it the relationship itself because you you know and I know that there are lots of people in religions. In fact, many, many. You may not go this far, but I would say the, the vast majority of people in religions are not in the process of a deepening relationship with God that they still continue to see God as an Old Testament tyrant. They continue to live in a system of guilt and shame and punishment and divine wrath and retribution. And when religion becomes the destination, it is very easy to get stuck in that spin cycle of sin, guilt and shame. And if you ask me, religions need to need to operate on that system to make it work. Maybe you're not asking me, and that's fine. <laughs> Man, it is a downpour here. It is raining hard. Not looking forward to have to get out of this car in five minutes and walk in. At least I got my rain jacket. 
Uh, so that that's my only problem with Catholicism is that it is a religion, right? I don't I don't have a problem with it any more than I have a problem with other religions. Again, I'll just restate my problem with religions is that it sees itself as a destination and not as a mode of transportation. Uh, many people, many people do find a relationship with Jesus in religion. Many more do not. And I think if we saw it as a, as a, means to an end and not the end itself, I think religion would, would take on a much, uh, a much better hue, a much better light. It would, it would be seen appropriately for what it is, a, a method, uh, a system that has worked for some in the past that may or may not work for you. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not talking about church whatever word you like to use for church, the ecclesia or the gathering. I'm not talking about the gathering. But there is a, there, there are other organic ways, and I don't mean organic as, as the new uh, type of Protestantism, the organic church. I mean organic with a small o, lowercase o, organic. There are other ways that the gatherings happen in the course of life. Uh, church is who you are. You know, if you are part of the body of Christ, you're part of that body all the time. Uh, and that's wonderful. That's great. You know, that's how awesome is that? Um, and so there are lots of ways to gather outside of institutionalized religion uh, that I believe still constitutes ecclesia, or church, right? So don't get me wrong, when I talk about religion, I'm not talking about church. Not church with a small c. Uh, but I've talked enough on that, so I'm going to leave it there. I'm just about to my destination. Uh, and uh, yeah, I just hope you guys have a great day. And I hope something I've said uh, may resonate with you. And if, uh, man, if there's anything you'd like to uh, comment, uh, you can. we have a Facebook page, uh, Driving Theology, you can comment there. Uh, you, can, you can comment on... Uh, SoundCloud, or uh, I believe you can comment on iTunes. So, yeah, thanks for listening, and uh, you guys have a great day. Bye bye.